Morning, Calvary. If we haven't met, my name is Solomon, and my beautiful wife's name is Kelsey. Uh, right now, she's my hero because she is eight months pregnant with our firstborn. I'm just gonna put this down. Yeah, we're having a, we're having a little boy, and here I really believe that I have the best job at Calvary because I get to work with the high school students, and. You know, part of what I get to do is such a joy getting to watch students grow in their discipleship to Jesus, grow in their faith. And one of the things I get to do in my role is sometimes I get to be a part of making some awesome events. And so this, the way we kicked off our summer was we, I got to help build a, a mud pit in the back of our church property here. And so I don't know how many of you guys ever at home have uh, for a project, Combined, combined hoses together to make one mega hose. Well, I made the biggest hose that I've ever made uh, to build this mud pit. So I dragged this giant hose from the front of the church to the back of our property. But one of the things that was frustrating in this process was that uh, over and over and over again, the the water would stop flowing out of the hose. And so I would have to walk back through the hose and unkink or find where there was twists in the hose so that the water would flow through again. And, and I share this story because I think uh, the same way that this was happening to the hose where it, where it gets kinked up and the water stops flowing out, uh, that can happen to us in our spiritual lives where we can be walking in step with the Spirit, we could be experiencing life with Him, like water running through the hose. Or there, there are other times where we, the, water gets, the hose gets kinked up and the water stops flowing out. We've been in this series the last few weeks talking about what, what do we believe? What, what do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What I've been tasked to do today is to, to kind of flesh out what does this look like? Though? What do these beliefs about God look like in someone's life? Like what happens when we take our theology, what we believe about God, and you put some legs on it? And, you know, Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, you, you remember, right, Jesus says it's, it's those who hear his words and knows them? No, Jesus says that it's those who hear his words and does them are like the wise man who builds their house on the rock. See, Calvary, we don't just want to be the kinds of people that know things about God, that know things about how God wants us to live. We actually want it to change us because knowing God leads to living God's ways. Knowing God leads to living God's ways. I've heard another pastor put it this way, that your theology comes out of your fingertips in the sense that, that what you really believe about God comes out, what we really believe about God comes out of the words that we say and, the, and, the, and our actions that we do every day. 
Last week, Thomas preached an awesome sermon talking about the Holy Spirit, reminding us that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or a spiritual symbol or uh, the spiritual gas that's all around us, but, but that he is the personal presence of God to us. And he pointed out to us that in John chapter 16, that Jesus says when he, when he goes away, when he ascends into heaven, he will send his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to come live inside of us, those who would follow him. And so what I want to take a look at today is now what does that, what is that life where we take our beliefs and live it out? Or what does that spirit-filled life look like? And so if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I don't know where you've been at this week. I don't know how you're feeling this week or what you've been through. But I do believe that when we open up God's word, that this is, we have the opportunity to hear his voice. And so I believe that God wants to speak to you today, regardless of where you've been this week. Uh, we're gonna be in Galatians chapter five, starting in verse 16, and it says this. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay, we're gonna pause right there for a second. The apostle Paul is the author of this letter and what he's telling us, he's laying out for us is there's two kinds of lives. There is life in the spirit, in the desires of the spirit, or there's life in the desires of the flesh. Now let's unpack a little bit what, what, we, what he means when he says the flesh. Even if you're here in this room today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, all of us in this room, we know that if, if, there was a, if we just played a reel up here of all of your thoughts and the desires that you had this week, that we had this week, we, we would know that there's a sense where that would feel exposing to us. Because we all know that we have thoughts and we have desires. We, we think about other people. We, we have desires that are selfish or greedy or lustful or prideful that, that we don't want other people to know. And this happens to all of us. And the, the New Testament has this category of the flesh that are any, any desires that are against or contrary to God. Anything that's against or contrary to God is, is this idea that he's talking about called the flesh. We're going to keep looking at verse 18. It says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Oh, that's a long list. Uh, what he's showing us is, is that these desires that we have, that, that, that are against God, the flesh, are, are shown in these different kinds of ways. But but Paul doesn't like to leave anybody out. So, so, so at the end, he's like, if you, if you read this list, you're like, I don't really think I'm there. Uh, he, at the end, he says, and things like these. 
And so, and so what he's showing us is that all of us at some point or another have some of these things that come up into our lives or at least things like these. So it's not an exhaustive list. And then he tells us, he shows us the, the end result, the trajectory of this kind of living, this kind of life. Keep going in verse 21 and he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now that might sound like he's coming off really strong or really harsh, but, but I think, I think one of, at least one of the things that he's showing us about God's kingdom is that God's kingdom, the kingdom that God is building, is a place without this division, without this jealousy, without these fits of anger. And in fact, God's kingdom that he's building is a kingdom of love and peace and unity. But, but what do these things have to do with life in the spirit, walking with the spirit? And how is this good news to us? I'm glad you asked. Uh, in verse 24, we'll come back to 20, 22 and 23 in a second, but verse 24 says this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. So if we're going to understand life with the Spirit, I think we need to understand what it means to belong to Jesus. If we're going to understand what it means to, to walk by the Spirit, I think we need to know what it means to belong to him. So what does it mean? Well, I think all of us have this innate desire to belong somewhere, to a group of people. And I see this all the time. I work with high school students, but I know that it's not just high school students. Like, I think sometimes maybe as we get older and we become adults, like, we can, we can hide it and make it look different, this desire. Or sometimes we can get a little jaded and be like, I don't really need people. But, but, but I think all of us have this innate longing to belong. For a group of people to see you and to be like, we want you with us. Like, we, we love having you here. We miss you when you're gone. Like, you bring something to us, and we, we want you with us. And, and I think this idea of belonging is, is, is one of the things that makes your first day, if, if you're new somewhere, really awkward. Like, your first day on the job, or you think about when you were in school, your first day, like, if, if you move somewhere and you were new to school, like, going into the lunchroom was the worst. Because, where, where do I go? Where, where do I sit? Who wants me? And if you're here today, and, and I don't know where you've been at with your relationship with Jesus, or, or what that's looked like for you, but what I want to remind you today is that Jesus sees you, and he wants you, and he loves you. And what he says to you is, I, I want you to be here with me. I want you to come to me. I want you to be in relationship with me. And Jesus sees us as we stumble our way through life, as we mess up, as we fail, as we hurt ourselves and other people. Je Jesus wants to offer us life. He wants to offer life to you. And, and so if, if that's you today, you can you, just hear and know that Jesus wants you and that you can run to him. 
And for those of us, and a lot of us in this room who have placed our faith in Jesus, who, who've trusted in him for our salvation, what he's telling us is that we do belong to him. And so for those of us who do belong to him, it tells us that we have crucified the flesh with its passions. Meaning this, in the perfect life of Jesus, he, he never gave in to these desires of the flesh, to these desires that are against God. He never chose that kind of life, or made those choices. He lived this perfect life in line with God. But he dies a sinner's death in our place because the wages of sin is death. So, so sin deserves God's punishment and wrath and death. And so Jesus dies on our behalf in our place so that if we place our faith in him, at that moment, we are crucified. Our old self, these old desires, these, these old ways of living are crucified with Jesus on the cross. And so then, when he, on the third day, he rises from the dead and he walks out of the tomb, we get to walk out with him, leaving this old self, this, oh, these old desires, this old ways of living in the grave. And, we get, and he welcomes us into new life. But maybe you're like me, and, and if you've been a Christian for any longer than 10 minutes, you're like, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I still sin. I still have these desires that feel broken, that feel bent, that feel messed up in me. So, so how, is that, how is that still happening if, if when I place my faith in Jesus, I've been crucified with him? Well, it's like, yes, once and for all, we've been crucified with Jesus, but, but also there's this ongoing daily practice of killing sin, of dying to ourselves, where, where for us who have placed our faith in Jesus, it's this progression, this growth that happens over time of saying and looking at my life like, my, my tendency to think that I'm better than other people, my tendency to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and anger or my, my outburst of anger towards my family, spouse, or kids, or like, like all of these different things, and to look at them and to hate them and to give them to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I want this to be nailed to the cross and I want to live a new way. And this isn't a one-time thing. This is ongoing, every day. As we see these things pop up in our lives, we get the opportunity to, to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want this thing to be put on the cross with you and I want new life. See, part of living life, walking life with the Spirit is killing our sin. But it's not just, what walking with the Spirit is not just saying no to things, saying no to these negative things. It's actually saying yes to these positive ways of living. And I want to just point something out to us uh, in this passage, showing us the, the weight and the emphasis of this passage on the Holy Spirit. Starting back in verse 16, where he says, 
I say walk by the Spirit. Or verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit. Or verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, over and over again in this passage that we're looking at, he's placing emphasis on this kind of life, this walking with alignment in, with the Spirit. Now, the question that I had as I was reading this and trying to figure out, okay, like as I read, like, great, I know what you're telling me to do, like walk with the Spirit, be in line with the Spirit. I just don't know how. Like, how do I do this? And so as I was processing through how to do this and talking with people, a couple things rose to the top. And, and I think one of the first things is, do you hear from God? Like, do you hear from the Spirit? And, and not, not in this mystical sense where you hear an audible voice or you're waiting for images to pop into your brain, which, which if that happens to you, that's awesome. That's not the main way that the Lord speaks to me. But we believe that the Holy Spirit through human authors wrote a book. And so if we want to hear from the Spirit, if we want to be in line with the Spirit, if we want to be receptive to him, like do, we know, do we know what his voice sounds like? Do we know what he loves? Do we know what he wants? Do we know what he hates? And so one of the first things, if we're going to walk in line with the Spirit, is, is do we hear from him? The, the second thing is, is, do we spend time with him? Do we talk with him? It's like any other relationship where if, if we're not spending time with somebody, if we're not talking with them, like I, I don't really know if, how much of a relationship that is. And, and prayer is a Holy Spirit-saturated activity. Where, where when we pray, the Spirit prays, and it's not just always like we have this grocery list of things to, to mark off and, and to just like we're spouting off, but, but it's like spending time in his presence and being with him and speaking with him. Do we do that? And one of the other things that I thought was so significant in thinking about this, like how do I, how do I be in line with him? How do I be in alignment with the Holy Spirit of God? Last week, Thomas reminded us that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is oftentimes depicted as dwelling in a building, like living in a building, the temple. On this side of Jesus, we wouldn't necessarily say that the Holy Spirit lives in this building. But that on this side of Jesus, if we placed our faith in him, the Spirit comes to live in us, in believers, in Christians. And not just necessarily me, uh, in in this sense of, it it is true that the Holy Spirit dwells and lives in me. But sometimes I have this temptation, probably as a Western American Christian, where I'm like, my relationship with God is me and Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit, we're good. And, And I think that's that's only part of the truth that we have, that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us together as a body where I by myself don't have all of the Holy Spirit, but that you who believe have the Holy Spirit in you so that it looks like when, when I'm living life with the body, with God's people, 
in here on Sundays or in a life group or in, in groups of people that get together that you can see my life, the way that I live, the way I treat other people, the way I talk with my wife, and you can come to me and you can tell me, hey, Solomon, I don't think you should talk to your wife that way. Or, or Solomon, I, I, I don't think that decision that you made was actually truthful or full of integrity. See, part of belonging to Jesus is that we get to belong to his body. And, and it's not that people judge you and, and people are like, dude, why are you so messed up? Uh, but, but, but that we, out of love for each other, we get to be in each other's lives. And, and, and if the Holy Spirit dwells in you and the Holy Spirit dwells in me and we live in community together, then, then we help keep each other in alignment with him. Is that making sense so far? Great. So if, if you've heard what I've said and you're like, okay, you said read the Bible, pray, and go to church. Um, uh, I want us to pause and really reflect. Like I was just having a conversation this last week with, with, with someone talking about like, man, I find myself so often complaining that, that I feel like the spirit's not working in my life, but I'm not even doing the basics. Like I'm not even praying. I'm not even reading my Bible. And, like, and it's like, well, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not doing these things, I'm not in relationship with him. Like, I want us to see, like, it's, it's, it makes it a little bit different if we just have it a checklist, like, are you reading your Bible, are you praying, are you going to church? But, but, but making this about, okay, but are you receiving Jesus? Are you really being with God in those moments? And if we're doing this, what does this look like? Like, what does this produce in our lives? And we're going to go back to verse 22 and 23. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. So, what, maybe you're here and you might not call yourself a Christian. Or, or maybe you're here and, and you call your, and, and you're like, I'm a Christian, but, but I want to be a more loving person. I want to be a more patient person. I want to be a more joyful person. Or, or when I'm driving with, with Kelsey and, and we're, and one of the signs that I'm seeing a lot that I think is one of the most popular signs that people are putting up right now or bumper stickers is, is like a sign that says like spread kindness or be kind. And I see those things, and, and I just, just want to point us to, to the source of kindness, to the source of love, of the source of joy, who is God. That if we, if we want to grow and be kind people, and be loving people, and be patient people, like I want to point us to the source and even say, like what I think what you're wanting and maybe don't know is for the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Like if we're wanting to grow in these places. And one of the other things that I want to point out here is the fruit 
Uh, it might not be obvious to us here in our English translation, but, but, but it's singular. So, so in this sense that love is not uh, a pineapple and then joy is an orange, but that all of these attributes, all of these virtues together are, is, is the one fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. So, so it's more like if someone took a bite out of your life, what would they taste? What would they see? What do people experience of you? What in your home, from your, your family, or your neighborhood, or your workplace, or, the, or your schools, or, or, your, or when you go to the grocery store, wherever you're spending time, what are people experiencing of you? Are they experiencing a, a version of us who have have experienced so much of the love of God that we can't help but overflow in love towards other people or so much joy in our relationship with Jesus that we can't help but be joyful people or with peace or patience that we've experienced this kind of peace that comes with God or this patience that comes from God towards us that we can't help but to, have, to be peaceful people or to be patient, be patient with others. See, what are we producing? See, sometimes I think it's easy for us to maybe separate our faith from like our public life. Like, like I, I can get up and read my Bible in the mornings, but when I go to work or when I go to school or when I go out in, into the grocery store, like what does that look like to be a person of faith? And what I want to remind us of is that if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you all the time not, and not put on your shelf when you leave your Bible at home in the morning to go to work. And so what are people experiencing of us? And, and remember this, all of this comes and starts with belonging to Jesus. We cannot do this on our own strength. And, and up here, I have these two apples. One grew on a tree, and one was manufactured. But you might not be able to tell. But, but you would be able to tell, though, if you, if you came up closer, or you, you try to take a bite out of this, you would realize very fast that this thing is not real. But I think sometimes as Christians, we can go to church or read our Bibles and know, okay, uh, I, I, sh I, I think I should be producing certain kinds of fruit, but, but instead of running to the life source, we manufacture something that looks close to the real thing. But that when people get close, they can start to tell, oh, this, this thing, I don't know if this thing's real. See, we can know, like, oh, I, yeah, I, man, I, it's, I should probably be serving in church or I should probably uh, be not being angry or not looking at certain things on my computer or my phone. But, but I think sometimes if we try to white knuckle our way through it, it's like, it's like when, when someone just like it spontaneously decides to go on a diet or maybe you guys are better than me, but sometimes when, I, when I'm like, man, I'm just not gonna eat sugar. I'm just not gonna do it. And it's 11.30 p.m., my wife is sleeping, and I'm like, maybe, maybe a little, maybe just a little bit. Like, I think this is what it's like when we try to white-knuckle ourselves into producing fruit. It looks close, but when people get close, they can tell that this thing's not real. Now, this 
grew on a tree connected to life. Jesus in John chapter 15 tells us and he compares himself to the vine and to us, his disciples, as the branches. And that if we abide in him, if we press into relationship with him, then we can bear much fruit. But that without him, apart from him, we can't do anything. And so, I mean, one of the questions, I guess, then is, how, how is our relationship with Jesus? Because we can't do this by ourselves. We can't manufacture real fruit. And if you remember that hose that I was building um, and, and the water was kept not going through, there's later on in the New Testament that Paul talks about this idea that we can quench the spirit. It, it would be like we take the hose with our own hands and, and we stop the water from flowing through. And I think this idea is, is like, if we continually live and give in to these desires of the flesh, these desires against God, it's like closing the hose with our own hands. But, but, but it's when the hose is unkinked and untwisted that the life can flow through it. The water can flow through it. And so my question for us is, uh, how's your hose? Like, is, is there kinks in the hose? Is, is the water flowing through? Are you connected to Jesus? And I think once we get this, the spirit will produce fruit in our lives. But church, I would love it. It would be awesome if we were the kind of church that we didn't just believe or know right things about God, but that it changed us. Because knowing God leads to living God's ways. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for what you've done uh, with Jesus on the cross for us. And God, I ask that you would, for, for all of us here, if, if we've been far from you, if there are people who just need to know that, that you love them, Jesus, I ask that you would show yourself, that you'd be present here. God, would you help us to be the kind of people that just don't know right things about you, but that it changes us. We pray this in your name, God. Amen.